Welcome to Real Decarbonization, a podcast about how the oil and gas industry will lead into the energy future. I'm Tisha Schuler, your host and the CEO of Adamantine Energy. This series of mini pods accompanies my latest book, Real Decarbonization. And on today's show, we really take a lot of the ideas in real decarbonization and hear how they're being applied at One Oak with Pierce Norton, who's the president and CEO. I really know you're gonna enjoy this conversation with Pierce. He has a BS in mechanical engineering from the University of Alabama and is a graduate of the Harvard Business School's Advanced Management Program. He was previously the president and CEO at OneGas for several years. And in fact, the last time you heard him on this podcast, and he took his current position with One Oak in 2021. Pierce has held multiple leadership positions across the natural gas industry. You can learn more about Pierce in our show notes. Enjoy my conversation today with Pierce Norton. Pierce Norton, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me again on the Real Decarbonization Podcast. Bishop, thank you for having me again. And it's it's always a good time when I get to visit with you and to be a part of your podcast. Well, thank you. That's how I feel. And I always learn something from you. And our listeners know you've had a big influence on me. And so I'm excited to hear the latest. It's clear that since you've been at One Oak, last time I interviewed you, you were at One Gas. One Oak is investing in the future. And there's so many announcements from innovative emissions monitoring tech with Orbital Sidekick to an energy tech startup hub in America's heartland. I'm hoping you can talk about what qualities you're prioritizing as you're thinking about what to invest in and what not to invest in. Tisha, I'd, I'd first say that you know our our priority still remains to be focused on our core businesses and the expertise. But as it relates to your question of us reviewing, you know, investments of future technologies, we might primarily focus around five major themes. The first one is we look for a management team that looks through the lens of the arc of the possible. So what does that mean? That means, you know, could this idea or technology, what can it become? The second thing we look for is we seek an influential position, but not necessarily a controlling position. And then the third thing is, is that we want to stay outside the research and development process but we do want to partner with people that are willing to use our operations as a prototype or, or, or a beta test. So we search for those teams where we can add value to them, and then they can also add value to us. And then fourth, we pursue a portfolio approach that's aimed at creating a basket return on our investment because our ROI is still very important to us and it's important to our investors. And then the last thing is we're intentional and we're disciplined. And and this allows us to manage what we have on our plate. There's so much money and so many different things that are floating around out there. It can be overwhelming. So we like to be intentional and disciplined of what we do. We we do that through really three questions is, is this technology or idea applicable to us? Is the technology or idea applicable to others? And do we have the right partners? So that's the way we look through these these new investments. Gosh, every time I talk to you, Pierce, whether we're recording or not recording, I end up with new post-its on my monitor of thoughtful questions to ask. You have such a 
disciplined approach to how you take on really big questions. So I actually want to dig in a little bit into the first thing you said. Can you describe for us what the arc of the possible is with that first enumerated idea you had about how you pick the management team? Talk a little bit more about what you mean by the arc of the possible, because that is a is, is a phrase that captures my imagination. The art of the possible for us is to think bigger, you know, think past just the prototype, but what, what can this technology become? What can it solve? You know, what problem are we trying to solve? So that's the way that we describe the art of the possible. Oh, I love that. Okay, so that was a lot we could spend, we could really dig into all of those, um, but we, we might have to save that or it won't be a mini pod. <laughs> so let me ask you to build on this idea of these, these five themes when you think about your investments in the future. And how do you imagine One Oak in 10 years? When I work with companies on real decarbonization strategies, we find 10 years to be a good time frame to think big. I like this idea of the art of the possible. And also to think in a disciplined way about the core business and how these two things will interact. So how do you think about real decarbonization, your investment trajectories, your core business in a 10-year time frame? I know you well enough, Tisha, that you don't pick the titles of your books lightly. <laughs> I like the, the use of the word real. In fact, I liked it so much, I actually looked up the, you know, the Webster's Dictionary explanation of this, and it's actually existing as a thing or occurring in fact, not imagined or supposed. And so in my opinion, you've hit on the word in decarbonization, which is real. And I'll kind of explain that to you in my view of the next 10 years. You know, the global demand for affordable and reliable energy is gonna to continue to increase. We believe it's gonna be driven by population growth and actually a desire for better health and education and a standard of living around the world. And, and we all know that both of those are directly related as it relates to higher energy demand. And without a drastic near-term change in demand for energy or technology to a lower energy future, then this, this concept of a global carbon budget is going to continue to deplete. And I think it's, it's important that I I mentioned to you what, what I define the carbon budget as, which is it's the cumulative amount of emissions in the atmosphere necessary to stay below that one and a half to two degrees centigrade rise in global temperatures. Mm -hmm. Most likely, you know, the world's energy systems are going to continue to transform, you know, with constant changes over this next decade. And, and we feel very confident that we're going to be a part of that and our industry is going to be a part of it. But the question is going to be the pace, you know, and, and I like to anchor back to a quote by Arthur Ashe here, which says, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And we see energy transformation as distinctly different from energy transition. Transition suggests that you're going to move from one thing to another and you're not going to go back. But we believe that transformation implies that you're going to take what you have today utilize it, and actually improve on it to create future opportunities. So that's kind of our take on the next, next 10 years. And like I said, we're intentional and disciplined, and we're going we're gonna to take it kind of a 10-year step at a time. 
I really enjoy hearing the evolution of your thinking and your leadership on this topic, Pearson. I also love the way you're very thoughtful about words because energy transition has gotten to be really sticky. So some people say there's not one transitions, there's transitions, but that makes for awkward conversations (laughs) where people are talking past each other. And this idea of energy transformation And the repurposing, the rethinking, the decarbonizing, the improvement of the existing infrastructure is just so part and parcel to real decarbonization. I couldn't agree with you more. And I've been doing a lot of thinking, too, about what real means. I love that you looked it up and you're thinking about it, because if we're having thoughtful conversations about what real means, in what time frame, what is transition versus transformation, then we're actually getting to work. We're not talking past each other with these, you know, fantastic ideas of an imaginary energy system that doesn't exist, which is where a lot of the policy and political conversation is around energy transition. So I just want to commend you for once again, informing my thinking. It's why I love having you on the show here. Let's take this idea and talk a little bit about your employees. We are so blessed in the oil and gas industry now to have five generations working in many cases, and our leaders are often in the boomer generation. We have Gen X as well moving into leadership. The millennials are now in their early 40s, uh, leading some companies as well and you know, dominating in raw numbers. And then, uh, and then Gen Z is our youngest generation, which is my kids' generation and those just coming into the workforce today. I wonder how you're taking those five themes and either engaging or including these different generations of leadership and how, and if it's different, do you have a different style or are you actually thinking differently about this next generation of leaders that's coming along? So we do think differently about that, Tisha. You always ask good questions, but I will tell you, this is one of my favorites because we are all about, the reason that we are here today is because somebody came before us and made great decisions and set it up to give us the possibility of being in this industry today. It's our responsibility to bring this next generation on behind us, and we've got to make decisions to set this thing up for the future. So the way we do this, when I get a chance to talk to our younger employees or potential employees, it goes back to that concept of the art of the possible because I believe that's what engages the next generation. I think they are more focused on the art of the possible with whatever that is to them more than any other probably generation that's ever come through. So when I, I look at the horizon about technologies that we can deploy as an industry, I review stuff like big data, stuff like artificial intelligence, image recognition. And and when you combine those things with what we do in the midstream energy sector, which is we deliver energy products and services that improve the quality of life. So it's that purpose that you combine with the other four things that, that I mentioned. It gives you a reason to come to work that's greater than yourself. So to create a future energy system and the networks that deliver affordable. So this is the real part. 
it goes past emissions. The real part is about affordability, reliability, resiliency, and a lower carbon future. So my thought is no matter if you're at the beginning of your career or you're at the end, it's hard not to get excited about coming to work in that environment. I, I, I got chills when you said that because I think you and I just share this love, <laughs> this passionate love of our industry and the and the art of the possible is such a compelling framing that does actually transcend generations, although generations have different responses to it. I couldn't agree more that our like the prosperity that our country and, and the potential for prosperity around the world, we owe so much to prior generations of the energy industry for transforming the world as we know it. And so I love this idea of the art of the possible, both honoring how far we've come and creating a sense of pride and potential for our um, emerging leaders. I couldn't agree more. If, if you want to make a difference in the world, working and the oil and gas industry is is the place to be. So let me pivot a little bit to talk about you, Pierce, as a leader. So much has happened in the world since I first interviewed you two years ago. Your thoughtful style clearly <laughs> perseveres. I'm wondering if you could tell us and our the the other leaders in our audience. How do you see your leadership style continuing to evolve? How do you keep yourself growing and changing to meet this environment that we're in? I knew this type of question was going to come because you always have something that makes me reflect. And for me, this is the reflection question. If you look back at the past two years, we've had an incredible amount of uncertainty in the world. And that's something that our people and our organizations have had to adapt to and to learn how to to thrive within. You know, during this period, I spent a lot of time thinking about how can we simplify a message that guides us all through these uncertain times? You know, we, if you think back, we've always had some uncertain times and basically we're going to have uncertain times in the future. But How can we develop this mindset internally, either here or or even in our personal lives, where we can get through those uncertain times? And so what we've come up with was one simple word, which was AND. And we use that word as an acronym. And so we have this phrase that we call it the power of AND. So A stands for ASK. And this is about asking the right kind of questions at the right time. So asking questions, in my opinion, is the key to unlocking additional value for all of our stakeholders. So think about asking questions. It transforms us from informing only to listening and involving. And it accelerates the exchange of ideas, which spurs learning and fuels innovation, which stimulates performance improvement and it builds trust and mitigates business risk. The, the N stands for navigate, which we must navigate the environments that were dealt. I mean, this is an industry where we plan and we plan and we plan some more, but life and business still throws us curveballs. Mm-hmm. You know, navigating is about collaborating to find solutions to real problems and to learning you know, from the journey. And the last thing is the D, which is develop 
And I think we all know through experience that the development is all about the intentionality. It's about developing personally and as an organization. And I guess it's my hope that the power of and is going to resonate with your listeners. Wow. Well, it resonates with me. And (laughs) I'm so glad that I got to ask you these questions today so that I could hear about this latest thinking you're having on facing volatility and uncertainty. I love the power of and. So Pierce, final question for you. What are you most optimistic about? You know, my my optimism is is always grounded, Tisha, in the confidence that I have in the capabilities of our employees at One Oak and in the people in our industry, you know, which which includes you. You know, we we're now starting a dialogue that, that's that is a real approach to energy about affordability and reliability, resiliency. And it's not going to be about one or the other. It's about all. And the way I look at it is, you know, if you you put it into three big energy buckets, which you have fossil fuels in one, you have nuclear in the other one, and you have renewables in the other, it's going to take all forms of energy if we're going to get to where we need to get to in the future, whether or not that's 2040, 2050, 2060. We all know which issues we have to face. Fossil fuels, it's emissions. We have the other three things covered. You know, when it comes to nuclear, it's about the affordability and, and the building the confidence back in the, you know, in the, uh, in the, you know, with the customers. And then renewable, it's about being reliable. And so we got to solve that issue. But all three industries are working on their unique problems. And I'm, I'm very confident, though, that our industry, which is the natural gas and the natural gas liquids industry, is going to be a significant part of the overall picture into getting us where we need to be, which is the real decarbonization for the four aspects of energy, not just the one. Mm. Pierce, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. I learned so much. I gained many new post-its for my monitor to reflect upon for the next year. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Real Decarbonization Podcast. And thank you for your leadership in the industry. You're very welcome, Tisha. Thank you for your leadership. And I look forward to the next time that we can do another one of these. That's our episode for today. Thanks so much to Pierce for joining me. I really enjoy simplifying complex ideas into into numerical lists. (laughs) And Pierce is so good at doing that throughout the podcast. And so I'm gonna take a lot of those ideas and think about how we can continue to advance the real decarbonization work we're doing at Adamantine to provide more resources to you, our listeners. I'm interested to hear what you think. Reach out to us at our website, energythinks.com. You can learn more about my latest book at realdecarbonization.com. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take a moment to forward this podcast to three of your colleagues and give us a five-star review. That will help others in the oil and gas industry find us. Thanks to Adon Rubio for making this podcast possible. Until next time, I'm Tisha Schuler, wishing you and yours happiness, prosperity, and good health.